Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. From 2400 Sports, Odyssey, and Major League Baseball, this is the PBP Voices of Baseball. We bring you the people who bring you the game. So it's the final episode of the PBP Voices of Baseball. And it's a rare and special thing. This is like, this is the Shohei Otani effect, essentially, because this guy is my leadoff hitter and my closer. So you bracket my season, Joe Buck. Thanks for being here. Uh, It's my honor, first of all. Um, I don't like this camera angle because it really shows the giganticness of my forehead, but we'll go... We'll go plow ahead and uh, and do our best. I'm honored to be on. I, I know what we're doing today. And I was thinking before I came on, I need a disclaimer that it, it may get repetitive with me because um, I know how hard the job can be sometimes uh, of, of just doing play-by-play, let alone high-pressure play-by-play. And what comes out, you have to live with, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And mm-hmm. I've, I've had all of that. So um, I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to be your guest again. And it's fun just to banter back and forth about something I love to talk about. This is what we're doing, is we're going to go through some of the greatest calls in baseball postseason history as chosen by previous guests of the podcast. So I reached out to everybody and we'll tell you who it is along the way who said they loved this one or that one. And, um, you know, who better to do that with to kind of dissect these calls or at least just hang around and enjoy them than the voice of baseball emeritus. Is that, is that what I give you at this point? Yeah. The old guy, the guy that got uh, shuffled out and is now just doing football, but I did it for a long time. I'm, I'm proud of, of the block of work and, uh, you know, part of me misses it. Part of me's glad to move on. I'm still kind of dealing with all that. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad to represent all the old guys now. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I talked to guys older than you, you know, we'll hear from Costas in the, in this episode. Well, yeah, but he looks younger than me, (laughs) but I mean, I've, I've done the, I've done my best is that I can with, with the hair and all the other stuff. Yeah. Bob's a Marvel. He looks exactly like he did doing the ABA. Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he does for some weird reason. So I've obviously led a much more difficult <laughs> life being Jack Buck's son uh, and being the lucky nepotite, but we'll just, uh, we'll just have to 
you know, I'll age gracefully. Yes, you will. Um, Lucky Bastard is a hell of a book and a worthwhile read for anyone who has not read it. But we'll get to Jack. Or, th- or, th- or $3 for eBay. That's I had to go. I don't have any more of them. They don't, they're not making any more of them. I know that's shocking. Uh-huh. And somebody said, hey, can I have an autographed copy of your book? And I said, well, I don't have any, but I'll <laughs> try to find one. And I went on. I had to go on eBay. It cost $3.99. And it was an already signed copy. So if you want to... <laughs> If you want to have your burble, your bubble burst, yeah. uh, just go on eBay and see how much your old stuff's worth. I have a copy of your book, but I had Joe Davis sign it. Is that wrong? No, that's, yeah, no, that's good. That's okay. good. All right. Um, we're going to start with Joe Davis, who I enjoyed talking to a lot. Um, his selection was one of yours. So I think that's lovely and it's fitting as we hit October here as Joe Davis is going to get ready. I don't know how much of the hellacious football baseball balancing act that you did in October is he doing? I I, I could ask him. I don't even know if you know, but like just remind people like the worst it ever got for you or the most fun it ever got to balance baseball playoffs and the NFL. You did 10 days in a row at one point, didn't you? I did. And I don't know what the total count was that year, but it was like six. 18 events in 18 days over five or six cities. I mean, and, and some of the cities were repeats, but you go from, you know, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, LCS, Thursday football, because we were doing Thursday, Sundays at Fox, and then back to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, baseball had maybe an off day Monday. That was where one of the off days was. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, it's kind of rinse and repeat. I think he's doing kind of the same thing. Uh, I don't think he's doing any football, though, uh, during this month. I think he's off. So they they threw that at me. I loved it. You know, everybody said I, I did articles with the local guy here in St. Louis in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and I was like, my dad would be laughing at any – <laughs> insinuation that I'm I'm overworked, uh, certainly not uh, underpaid, but I I, I I loved it. I like a challenge. I love using my mind that way and bouncing back and forth. And I think just for purposes of, of your podcast, I do think it makes you better when you get away. When I would get away from baseball and go call a football game, it was kind of a nice reset and then come back to baseball. I felt like I'd used different pieces of my brain and, and I felt refreshed. So I, I never felt like I was dragging. Um, I, I don't miss all that, but I'm glad I did it. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it reminds me of like, you know, in high school, I was that kid going from like play practice to tennis practice to then like maybe orchestra at night. You know, it's like you just do whatever, yeah. whatever you're into, you're just doing and you keep doing it. So the opportunity to live like that in your 40s and 50s is pretty rare and pretty cool. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's everything I dreamed about as a kid and I'm doing it and then I'm going to complain about it. I right. I have no and I hear other people do that sometimes. I'm like, come on. We, I know. We, we're, we're get the best seat in the house. You know, at that time, Fox, Fox had to fly me after a Thursday night game, and I'd fly all night, but they'd fly me privately, so that part was nice. And I'd get there, and I'd sleep in the morning and, and get to the stadium at 4 o'clock and go do a game. I mean, that's fun. Yeah. I, so, come on. This, 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 it's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. 
All right. So along the way, we're going to hear, I don't know, eight, 10, 11 different play-by-play calls and just kind of live with them and bask in them a little bit. I asked Joe Davis, and here's what I asked all the, all the guests. Give me a postseason baseball call that you love by anybody from any time. And Joe Davis gave me the 2004 ALCS game five. David Ortiz had won it the night before, and he won this one as well. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Game six tomorrow night. So what Joe said was a simple and brilliant caption that took in the bigger context. Joe is the best ever at those captions. So I love that. I guess he's referring to we can keep on running to New York right there in the moment. Yeah, I think I think a Joe's being nice because he's you know, he replaced Scully and and he did all the proper uh, tributes and then he replaced me and he's doing tributes. So that's very nice of him. I do like that call, though. I mean, I'm, I'm my own harshest critic. I've had some terrible ones. We can do a podcast where we go through terrible calls next week. And I can give you four or five. Of, okay, good. Four or five of mine. But uh, yeah, I, that's one that just proves what I've always said. And I've had a couple of canned ones that I hated listening back to. That one is one that proves that you cannot script that stuff out. And, and I think as we go through this, They'll all fall into the category of living in the moment and not going to bed the night before and going, okay, if the Red Sox win, here's what I'm going to say, and then writing it down. I, I, we've talked about that. I, 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 went, I went into that trap in uh, 1998 when McGuire and Sosa were doing the home run chase, and, and I just got asked so many times, I fell into the trap of, what am I going to say if McGuire hits the home? I'm on the mic and McGuire hits the 62nd home run and I've got to come up with some crazy great call. You don't. You th- Those are the bad ones. The, the good ones are, and that's why I'm proud of this one. I hadn't thought about this one in a long time, that it just fit the moment and it was pretty quick and it kind of led to the next game. Like mm-hmm. he can keep on running to New York. That's something that, you know, I, I didn't go to bed thinking, well, if if in this game it comes down to one swing and Johnny Damon's uh, on second base, I'm going to say that he can keep running to New York. That You just have to – you have to trust yourself to be right when it matters most because you you have to trust yourself all night. And and why would that be any different? So I, I, I like that call. I'm glad he picked that one because I – I, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, you know, it, it's nice and it's simple and it's tight. And now that I listen to Joe after talking to him, especially, I hear him with really good captions all the time. Whether it was Bryce Harper, the swing of his life on that home run last year to send the Phillies to the World Series. Just the other day, I think he did uh, He did Philly and Washington and Washington scored on the final second. And he said, on their last breath, because it was the very last play of regulation. It was just like... He's he clearly learned that from you, and he's trying to encapsulate it as it happens. No, and, and that's the difference between TV and radio too. You have to get it done. You have to. You can't get there. You got to mm-hmm. just go, and you got to come up with it fast because it's going to seem really. At least it does to me. It seems self-serving when you drone on and drone on when the celebrations happening, like in this case at Fenway. 
and you're trying to find some button to it, you got to find the button fast. And then in my opinion, and that's not the opinion of everybody else and everybody has it their own way. You got to get out of the way and let the celebration happen. And you can't be talking over that. So that's, that, that, that's, I think what you're saying with Joe and, and Mm -hmm. that's, you know, how I tried to do it. Um, was so Joe is active. Bob Costas is going to be picking up the Dodgers hosting the NLDS, whoever they get, whoever advances. Um, and I asked Bob for one and he gave me one of his, and this is his caption from, uh, from the Yankees completing the sweep in 1999. A pop in the shadow left the New York Yankees world champions team of the decade most successful franchise of the century so that caps off the whole century now maybe that was scripted i i I don't know but it 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 sure feels nice and i know that the yankees play that now at yankee stadium as part of like their opening montage which is pretty cool yeah exactly which was always cool to sit there doing my uh doing my lineups at yankee stadium and I mean, you talk about a loud sound system and a scoreboard that just you come in there and it's like Yankees, Yankees, yeah, it's Yankeeography with John Sterling, and uh, and then it, they play that all the time, and that's true because you know that that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's that's a it's a compound complex sentence, but it not only captures that they just won, but it's the bigger picture of obviously what do they have twenty seven world championships uh you know nobody's even close nobody's halfway to that so uh it's true and it was the end of of the century and uh it was a fitting call i mean there's there's no arguing that by the way fun fact on these playoffs first time in 30 years that neither the red sox yankees or cardinals are in the mlb playoffs first time in 30 years just kind of crazy it is crazy um that, and that's all the current baseball it, that we'll do. I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but I know this. You know, we we always get accused of rooting for and against every team when you're doing the national game, and Joe will experience that, especially as time goes on. I certainly did. My dad did. Scully talked about it. Here's what we're guilty of. We're guilty of hoping for the biggest markets and the longest series and compelling <laughs> games. Who wins doesn't matter, but we are all, you hear the network drip in the back of your head. Like, man, it'd be nice if we had the Cubs here, man, it'd be nice if we had the Dodgers, man, it'd be nice if we have the Yankees. And Hmm. and then, then it becomes volume. You know, you don't want four and out. You don't want to sweep like what we just heard Bob do. You want, you want volume six or seven games. That's where networks make their money. So are we guilty of rooting against, teams i guess in a roundabout way but but not really it's more about let's have long great series with big market teams all right we're going to go back this is the furthest back we go marty brenneman uh gave us this one suggested russ hodges legendarily 1951 final game of a best of three between the giants and the dodgers in new york
Wow. I had forgotten they're going crazy at the end. I enjoyed hearing that. I, I love that call. And and I've, you always hear the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win. I actually use that, which I've never talked about um, as uh, not to that degree. But when Travis Ishikawa hit a home run against the Cardinals in an LCS. Travis Ishikawa hits one in the right. The Giants win the pennant. And that was kind of my button on that. The Giants win the pennant. I could have said a lot of different things, but it was a Hodges tip of the cap uh whenever that happened uh wow. so anyway I, I i love that because you could almost feel him like wanting to get up and there was a stationary mic in front of him and i could kind of feel him like wanting to stand up and scream and but having to keep his mic down or his head down by the mic uh there's just so much raw passion in there and you can tell that somebody that that's the beauty of doing local baseball uh on the radio you you are the passionate fan who gets to talk about it as it's happening and that's what i hear i hear a guy who you know is just doing exactly what every giants fan was doing at that time like oh my god it's almost it makes me think and i just watched this last night there's this great nine minute clip on youtube about baseball in film You've probably seen it. If I you haven't. haven't, I'll send it to you. It's amazing. And somebody cut all the great moments, all like with the same, all the the anthem shots and then all the game-winning home run shots and all the beautiful music shots and all the small moments. And that's, that's kind of – and one of those moments is Euchre – uh, in the movie Major League, going, the Indians have won the pennant, or the Indians have won the World Series, whatever he says. My God, the Indians have won the – and that's what that is. You know, that's what that is. It's just yeah. beautiful love for the team, the sport, the moment. It, that, that call probably will be my favorite that we hear in this hour. Well, let's – I mean, it's amazing. There's a couple things that I want to connect to that Hodges call because – because that that has been rolling around any baseball fan's head forever, you know, and it and mm-hmm. and, and it, it it makes me think of your dad, because the one that a lot of people brought up, Pat Hughes, the 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 great Hall of Famer for the Cubs, uh, brought this up. Johnny Dosco, the new guy in Oakland, who's a wonderful guy and a wonderful story, his first year at age fifty six in the big leagues oh, awesome. this year. Just an awesome conversation I had with that guy. But both of them brought up your pops and Ozzie Smith in 1985. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. And the Cardinals have won the game by the score of three to two on a home run by the Wizard. I mean, everybody that lives in St. Louis can recite that. Everybody, that's one of the, you know where you were when that happened moments. I was in football practice uh, at Country Day High School, and we all kind of get, excuse me, gathered around a radio in the in the locker room. And it's just like, oh, my God, Ozzie Smith. And the beauty of that was TV had it, and Mike Weissman, who was our producer at Fox, takes – total credit and I don't even know if it was him or not but they had flashed 
a stat on the screen that Ozzy, I, I don't think, I think this is right, had never hit a left-handed home run. He was kind of a self-taught, as I guess most are, all are, switch hitter, but he had no power lefty. And so it's Tom Needenfewer, um, it's Ozzy Smith, and he hits that ball. Now, if you watch the clip, I, I marvel at two calls of my dad's for different reasons, and that is that ball hit off concrete at Old Bush Stadium right above the wall. And I mean, that was a tough call. If you watch the clip and you go, okay, for, for your life, huh. did that ball get out? And, and you know, you, you achieve a greater state of concentration when you do these big moments than I'm sure he saw even with, you know, he wasn't a young guy at that point. I'm sure he saw that ball hit the wall. Everybody wow. else, you know, did it go? Did it? And, and so you, you get there mentally or with your focus. And I was like, Oh my God, that's such a great call for that reason alone. And then I know he's told the story that he, that when that was over and he said, go crazy again, he turned to Colin Jarrett, who was the radio engineer. And he said, I don't know why I said that. That was just, he, he, he didn't like it. He didn't like the call. He thought it was, he thought it was corny. And I, and I think that was in the moment. Then I think when it got replayed and Ozzy still talks about it and writes on autographs sometimes go crazy, uh, I think he came around to knowing that that just was kind of the stamp that every Cardinal fan needed to to do that, go crazy in 1985. Oh, my God, it's so good. I, 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 it, it's amazing. The, the reason I thought about it right there was Russ Hodges saying they're going crazy. Like, it made yeah. me wonder whether that was rolling around somewhere in your dad's head. Probably, it's a, yeah. It's a playoff homer of that magnitude, you know? Yeah, no, it is. That That's exactly right. I, I thought the same thing, uh, just that word. Yeah. Crazy. And I'm and, sure and, it was there. Yeah. I, right. Oh God. It's, that's, that's amazing. Um, I, I, I uh, it, it, when you were talking about the, and we'll get back to Jack a little bit later, but I just wanted to squeeze that in cause it, it took me there. But um, you talk about the local broadcast, the one that came up second most, I think, and this Tom Hamilton of Cleveland brought this one up to me. Dave Sims brought it up to me of the Seattle Mariners is Tom Cheek of the Toronto Blue Jays, 1993. Joe Carter at the plate. The Blue Jays in game six are down 9-7 in game six of the World Series with a chance to win the whole thing. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions. As Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning. And the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. So I think it's that expression right to Joe that people love. Touch them all. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. I, I agree. And it's making me realize as I hear that now, first of all, that calls awesome and his voice is so strong and getting over that crazy crowd noise when you get a moment like that in the home stadium it's just it's euphoric and it's it's what it's all about because you know you might get that on the road if that had happened in philly uh, it's it's it doesn't sound like that um he's yelling and and it sounds like he's in a library um but but for me 
it, it points out, you know, when McGuire, and this isn't about me, but when, when McGuire hit the home run for 62, um, I'm doing the TV and I talked directly to Mark going around first. I said, touch first, Mark, because he was watching the ball. It was so oh, yeah. barely over the wall and barely fair. He was watching it, and he was so happy, he jumped over first. And I said, touch first, Mark, as, this, as if I'm talking to him. You are the new single-season home run king. And that's me thinking, I'm sure, somewhere in the back of my head, that Tom Cheek call of – you know, touch them all, Joe, you'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. He's talking directly to the athlete that just did it. So I, you know, it just proves that you hear something and it's always bouncing around in your head in those moments. And you may not be aware of it at the time, but listening back, you start connecting dots. My dad to, uh, to the crazy, to Russ Hodges and, and, Mm -hmm. and me to, to Tom Cheek in some weird way it's such a luxury to call these games nationally or or rather locally, because you can, you can do all that stuff and it's radio. So you're, you're describing all that. And when you do TV, there's $90 million worth of cameras shooting all that stuff. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a totally different job. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're, we're rolling on with the greatest calls in baseball's postseason history. Um, and here is the number one from just about everybody. Now, Ryan Porth, our producer, I'm not sure exactly how you cut this because everybody who brought it up to me really wanted to bring up the bigger context. Like Dave Sims brought up this one. Bob Carpenter brought up this one. Adam Amin brought up this one and talked about the drama of the entire night from the inning before and several innings earlier, Vin Scully saying that Kirk Gibson will not be in this game, you know, that whole thing and just the drama of the inning. So I think Ryan grabbed some of the inning leading up to the big home run against Dennis Eckers. And look who's coming up all year long. They look to him to light the fire and all year long, he answered the demands until he was physically unable to start tonight with two bad legs, the bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. If he hits the ball on the ground, I would imagine he would be running 50% to first base. So the Dodgers trying to catch lightning right now. 
So Mike Davis, the tying run, is at second base with two out. Now the Dodgers don't need the muscle of Gibson as much as a base hit. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. So a couple things are happening there. First of all, I've never really noticed that in the background. So there are people in the booth with Scully that are clapping. I've never, I've never picked that up before. But if you hear it, whoever's in the booth, I don't know if it's his wife, I don't know if it's friends, Dodger fans, whatever, but they're back there like this, which you can, you can hear that. I've never heard that before because probably because I'm listening on headphones, but uh, it's just great. I mean, that, that sentence just points out how smart these guys are. You know, just that turn of, of the difference between improbable and impossible. Um, and, and the Dodgers were heavy underdogs. Eckersley was basically perfect as the closer. Gibson could barely walk, let alone run. Um, and he hung a slider and Gibson connected and hits the home run of his life. I mean, it's just – it's phenomenal. And, and again, it's TV. That call would have been a lot different had Vin been doing that on Dodger radio, but that was a national television broadcast. My dad was doing the radio and it's like one moment that had one, the best ever to do TV call it. And in my opinion, the best to call it on radio, both giving their, their best uh, to to that home run in uh, Game One of 1988's World Series. You know, you know what's amazing is that Vin at that point is living that double life as the local Dodger guy and then the national guy. So when he says a year that has been improbable, he's thinking that whole Dodgers season was bananas, whether the national audience realized it or not. Like Gibson right. was an MVP who. Who, who got hurt a bunch, but like they shouldn't have been that good that year for, yeah. for the Dodgers. Yeah. So he, he's in context as he's doing that. And Hershiser basically was a one man act in the rotation. And, yep. uh, you know, Bob Costas got in a lot of trouble for not a trouble, but, you know, he was part of like Lasorda's pregame speech about how, Oh, Costas, none of these guys think we can win, you know, and it, is only Tommy could do. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's living that double life of how far do I go? You know, if you listen to the end of that World Series, if you listen to World Series, to that end of that World Series, he, it's a very subdued call by Vin Scully on national TV. Um, so mm. it just points out, again, how – you have to kind of temper everything when when you're not there representing that one organization. Several different former guests of the PBP brought up what you just said. Your dad's call on the radio of uh, of the Kirk Gibson home run. Dave Sims said he loved them both and loved them both equally. Let's let's hear that. We have a big three-two pitch coming here from Eckersley. Gibson swings and a fly ball to deep right field. This has got to be a home run. Unbelievable. A home run for Gibson. And the Dodgers have won the game 5-4. to four. 
I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. Is this really happening, Bill? It is happening, and they've got to help him home. The third-base coach, uh, Joe Malfitano, had to give him a little push, and all the Dodgers are around home play. I don't believe what I just saw. One of the most remarkable finishes to any World Series game. A one-handed home run by Kurt Gibson, and the Dodgers have won it 5-4. to four. I am stunned, Bill. I have seen a lot of dramatic finishes in a lot of sports, but this one might top almost every other one. Wow. All right. Before you talk about your pops, and it's just such an honor to be able to talk about this stuff with you, man. I'm just so blown away now that I've invested this year, kind of listening to everything and thinking about it as much as we have, you know, the different tone. He says, I don't believe what I just saw three times, but they're all completely different. And each sentence kind of goes on its own emotional journey. Like he's just, he's so connected to the moment, but also natural and relaxed and conversational. That is a remarkable call. It's I'm so glad that Ryan let it spill on because I, I long ago, forgot the rest of that you know all i hear is when you hear the highlight it's just i don't believe what i just saw the call the beauty of that call is just the length of it and how perfect it is and um yeah he's relaxed he's doing radio that's that's like a walk in the park for him he that to him was sitting with friends around a tv and and or at a game and just talking and and so it doesn't come with the pressure, I don't think, of of the TV side of it. I think that's just him at his best. I, I just don't – I'm so glad I heard the rest of that. First of all, it points out that radio technology hadn't advanced from Russ Hodges to 1988 because it sounds like he's talking into a tin can. Uh, but it's just such a beautiful call, and it's it's so true that he didn't believe what he just saw. It was a one-handed home run, which was exactly what it was because mm-hmm. he could barely follow through. <laughs> There's just – I just that, – that call just went up in my – on my list uh, because there's so much more to it than, than I remember. That's Bill White that he's talking to. Yep. Um, who would – I guess was the future National League president at that time. At the time, yeah, and, and the former – the former Yankees broadcaster on WPIX. I grew up with Bill White and Rizzuto. And I, because I, I remember Phil Rizzuto at one point turning to Bill White in the middle of a game. I think I was eight. And Scooter said, had a hell of a time getting to the park today, White. The bridge was backed right. up. And I was like, they're on TV. What the hell? Yeah. Are they <laughs> I'm a kid so in New great. Jersey. I, I don't know what bridge they're talking about. What is, what's going on here? Oh, that's so great. I, I just think this, that, you know, you're a music guy, you write lyrics, you think of things musically. That to me is like a great musical call. Like, I don't believe what I just saw three ways, none of them the same and just rhythmic and perfect. So I, I'm biased. I am biased, but that's the best call that I think you could play in this show. Wow. Bam. There it is. Yeah. That's, that's exquisite. Um, uh, my buddy Boog Shambi, our, our guy Boog Shambi, 
wanted to talk about Vin Scully and Bill Buckner, and he left me a voice memo. So we're going to let uh, Boog uh, describe it first before we play it here. My favorite postseason call, it's going to hurt Red Sox fans, but I it would be Scully's call of um, the Buckner play. And it's sort of multiple things. It is... It's that it's a TV call, so he's like slightly behind the play, and then just uh, his use of language in real time is amazing. So, you know, he so Mookie hits the dribbler, and it goes between Buckner's legs, and as he describes that, he says gets through Buckner. So, like, the thing I love is he starts to call. He says, little roller up along first, and then it's gone through Buckner, but he's behind a little bit. So he says, when his voice rises, if you listen to the call, he says, little roller up along first, behind the bag. The ball's already gone through his legs. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. And that's the part that I just love, that he's just, like in TV, he's just trailing the call a tiny bit. But when it goes through his legs, he's at behind the bag. And then in real time that he chooses gets through him, gets through him, I think is just incredible. Here comes Knight in the Mets when it, I just, I think it's amazing. So the winning run is at second base with two out, three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it. Thoughts, Mr. Buck? Uh, was Boog taking a left or a right? <laughs> Might have been the hazards that were on, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was at a stoplight, I guess. It was, it was yeah. going on the whole time. I. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's. I, I think he's right with with Scully. He was brilliant, and his use of language. Um, it's it's very descriptive. It's not many words. That's 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 the that's the the crux of it is is being descriptive without having to use too many words. And it did. It got right through Buckner, like it went through a human being. When you watch it again, it's like, how did that? How do you not knock it down? If nothing else, but at the end, and it's, I mean, that poor man, you know, there's a couple of those throughout history where you just don't ever get away from it. And he never got away from that because the Red Sox, you know, that went on and they, you know, they, you think they're going to win the world series finally for the first time since 1918 and it doesn't happen. And then he's got to wear that because he, you know, and he was, he was not healthy and he was not, you know, physically sound. And he, he was stumbling around because he just his legs were shot. So, yes. you know, he's out there like the old war horse and he's given it all he's got. And then he's got to wear that for the rest of his life. And but it did. It got through Buckner somehow. And the Mets had this crazy that was the end of a crazy comeback. That wasn't like one play. That was oh. a series of events. It's like. Are the Red Sox really going to blow this? Yes. And the answer is yes. It comes down to, it comes down to that, that little <laughs> chunker down the first baseline. 
and uh, and we we know what happens. So yeah, it's it's a great call, and Boog's all uh, right on it. Uh, yeah, I, I hope he made his turn successfully. I, I mean the the yes. six the sixteen year old Spiegel. I was I was in torture as a Red Sox fan that night. Absolute freaking torture when Bob Stanley throws a wild pitch that Rich Gedman just kind of watches go by. I'm like, huh, should I stop that? Nah, it's fine. It's okay, yeah. you know. It, it, like all the different things that that happened. Um, but yeah, to your point, as long as we're talking about it, Dave Stapleton had come in as a defensive replacement like every other playoff game, and John McNamara wanted Buckner to be out there for the celebration. True story. Not fun. I didn't know that. I but but that points out that I mean he just wasn't he wasn't the right guy because he wasn't healthy and 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 it would have never come to that if it was a one run game, two run game, he wouldn't have been out there. But it yeah. wasn't. I don't know what the score was going into that inning, but uh, it was just one run after another, one run after another. There's no way it's going to come down to s- some defensive play. They're not going to come back, yeah. and they did. And and he had to live with that the rest of his life. All right, so now I'm going to take you a little bit earlier in that postseason because I get a pick and our producer Ryan Porth gets a pick before we go to a, a Joe Buck pick um, and, and one other little treat to close this thing out. This has been really, really fun. But here's, here's my pick earlier in the same playoffs and another game where I can tell you every little thing because Don Baylor hit a two-run homer to make it close enough for Dave Henderson to do this against Donnie Moore in the 86 ALCS. It's Al Michaels on the call. To left field and deep and down he goes back and it's gone. Unbelievable. I remember him saying something like Anaheim Stadium was one strike away from turning into Fantasyland. And I don't know if if I'm uh, remembering it correctly. Might have said Disneyland, which is certainly closer. You know, right. But well, yeah, but but either, either way. And then, you no, know, I, I mean, and, and we know the, the fallout of all that. Uh, Donnie Moore was never right. And he ended his own life. And um, yeah, it's just those stamps like that. And the, it, it's the rise in the voice. And it's almost the the disbelief. You know, that that's why to go back to my dad, I don't believe that I saw all these guys are like that. As was Michael's, you know, like it's just, it's shocking because your mind is going down one track and you're getting yourself prepared for one thing. And then like that, it goes the other way. And it's like, ah, whoa, ah, and, and you gotta, you gotta react in real time. And and yeah. you could put out Michael's voice on literally anything and I'm, I'm going to love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, seriously. It's a, there's, there's some magic in there. Um, Ryan Port's pick is another local radio one. And I don't, I don't remember this call cause I was watching it on TV and remember it on TV, but this is 1995 Ken Griffey scores from first on the Edgar Martinez walk-off double for the Mariners. They would love a base hit into the gap and they could win it with junior speed, the stretch. And the 0-1 pitch on the way to Edgar Martinez. Swung on the line, down the left field line for a base hit. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior to third base. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues. My, oh, my. Edgar Martinez with a double. Ripped down the left field line, and they are going crazy at 
the kingdom. Oh, that's chaos. That's delightful <clears throat> chaos. Man, that's so good. I, you know, you can, you can almost just, I just see Griffey flying around and I think he, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'll just say this, that, that sheer passion and joy. And you think of where the Mariners had been and, you know, they had never really gotten to the mountaintop and it's just, I, I just love it. That, that calls so good. And it's so passionate, and it's like his voice, he's going to lose his voice in the middle of it. Um, and those are those are the ones that are great, because it's like, is he going to get through this? Right. And that's how I'm listening to it. Like, is it going to crack? Is he going to? And he did it, and it's just perfect. I, I love that call. The um, A little bit of I don't believe it, so it wasn't believe what I just saw. And then a little crazy in there, too. They're going crazy. It's like some of the There's that word again. Just rolling around in, 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 our, in the brains. I almost said our brains. I've done three games, yeah. Joe. You know, I, I can't. Yeah, well, I'm, <sighs> I'm going to try to do my best to strike that from my broadcast vocabulary because it's overused. It's overused. Crazy? Yeah. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. If, if we hear it, we hear it on a Super Bowl or something. I'm coming after you. Um, yes. So, so, look, you and I have talked about this before, but it's a testament that what comes up so often from these guys, the, the, these, these broadcasters who I talk to, Dan Shulman of the Blue Jays and formerly Sunday Night Baseball said, without question, because he loved your dad, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. a, a, and, and he brought us to your pops on Kirby Cup. Into deep left center for Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. There's obviously more, but that's the crux of it. Because yeah. it, God, it connects to, to, to your David Ortiz at the top of the show of like, keep running to New York. We're in the middle of a series here. Exactly. And, and I, you know, there was so much going on there and stuff that nobody else cares about, but that was such a hard year on my dad. And we all care, but you share what you want. Obviously, No, I mean, he, he, he had a rough year. He had, he had a couple of rough years doing CBS TV and Tim was his partner. And I wrote about it in my book and Tim is, so I don't feel great about going there, but he and I talked about it a lot. The two of them just didn't really get along on air. And, and it was a tough relationship for my dad to manage. And my dad was more of a radio guy than a TV guy. And he was supposed to be the number two guy at CBS behind Musburger, who was going to do it with Tim. Musburger got fired. They elevated my dad. So now my dad's doing national TV. And it wasn't – he was such a great radio guy. It was just different for him, and he was not himself and the critic with USA Today was crushing him every Monday in the column that he would write, Rudy Martsky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, you know, that's another one. I talked about my dad calling the ball with Ozzy off the cement right above the wall when he hit the left-handed home run against the Dodgers, the go-crazy call. That's another one. There's a, there's a tall block of plexiglass that's above the wall at the Metrodome and they have all those Homer hankies going, and the ball is white, and it's hard to see in that stadium. So we were all, as a family, with every call he was making, we're all holding our breath, like, get it right, get it right. And he got that right, and it's a great call. And it was it was beautiful, you know, that, that it forced a, a game seven, and game seven was sensational. Um, so 
mm-hmm. you know, th- there was a lot going on there. And for him to kind of nail that moment with that sentence and to get it right that the ball was actually over that plexiglass and out, um, it was like a relief and joy for the family. And I, I would imagine for him, because you obviously don't want to get that wrong. And, and it was like, if he's ever, if anything was ever going to happen, that was the year. And, and he, he nailed it. So 20 years later, when you're doing game six of the Rangers and the Cardinals, and we talked about this on episode number one, which people should go back and, and listen to when you were my leadoff hitter. Um, and you and you get a chance and drop this when David Freeze hits the home run at the end of the game. Freeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. It, several people brought it up. Howie Rose brought it up to me, said, so cool. Howie Rose of the Mets. So cool that Joe had the presence of mind to deliver that loving tribute. Extremely poignant. Um, Jason Benetti, who's been a two-time guest on the podcast and a, a dear friend I love talking about with this stuff, brought up your moment right there. I mean, are you also thinking of the heaviness of your dad? It's like an expression of love for the rough year that came to your mind when you listened to your dad, as well as an homage. It's like giving him some more love in that way. Well, yeah, it was. And I, I, I said after the fact, if nobody but my mom enjoyed that, it was worth it. Um, some people rip me for it. Um, but that, I mean, that's the world we live in, but I, that was at the end of an awful year for me. I had a paralyzed vocal cord. And when you listen to it, you can hear me grovelly a little bit, get through that call because my voice wasn't strong yet. And, and I'm squeaking words out at that point. Um, and it, it, it really took that year with a paralyzed vocal cord took the emotion out of my voice and, and I was just struggling to get through those moments. And so that thing ends, that game ends and he hits that home run. And I'm glad my dad's call, if I was going to do that, no matter what uh, was so succinct because I couldn't have gone on it much longer with anything I was going to say at that time. But, you know, I, I, what what I, I don't know if, if I said it on your podcast or not, but I had found earlier, somebody sent me a clip from earlier in that game. The trivia question was <laughs> about the puck at home run wow. earlier in the game, like second or third inning. And so that and and Tim said, and your dad's call was we'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> and and so that was I was always like, why was that in my head? Why was I, because it was almost 20 years to the day. And why was I so aware of that? And the answer is because we had talked about it two hours prior. So if, if that wasn't the trivia question, I have nothing to do ever with the trivia questions. I read it for the first time when it pops on the screen, I would, I probably would not have said that. Well, that's, that's just good producing. That's what that is. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. By somebody, sure. but uh, well, yeah. It, it, and you can hear it in the voice. It's it, what the amazing, uh, another amazing part of it is that the damage to your vocal cords, which we've talked about before, um, it made you sound more like your dad. 
Frankly. It did. Yeah, I was grovelly. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you mentioned that the Kirk Gibson call by your pops is a fave, but you'd also mentioned this one, and I had never heard it. And it's not postseason, but I'm going to do a couple little cheats here at the end because when you mentioned it, I wanted to hear it. This is this is Lou Brock on base with Maury Wills's record of 104 stolen bases having been tied by Lou Brock, and he's got a chance to break it right here, 1974. Brock takes the lead. Griffin checks him. He is going. The pitch is a strike. The throw. He is there. He did it. Took his hand, the Philadelphia shortstop. Congratulated Lou Brock. About 50 ushers. On the field, the Cardinals pour out of the dugout to shake hands with their teammates. Reggie Smith, Ted Simmons, Blake McBride, Ken Reese. All of the Cardinals out of the dugout, out of the bullpen. Mobbing Lou Brock, a fellow they dearly love on this Cardinal ball club. 105. I told you I'd cry, Mike. <laughs> oh, Jack Buck and Mike Shannon. What do you love about it, Joe? Man, I've never heard that. I have only heard the 105 for Lou Brock. And when he's going through the roster, I mean, that's my childhood that he's talking about coming out onto the field. But but he said it. Everybody loved Lou Brock. Lou Brock and I know Cub fans and the Brolio trade and blah, blah, blah. But he 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 was just... A, a gentle, great human being. So he was beloved. And and it just proves that history repeats itself because when McGuire, how many ever years later, hit the home run, you know, the, the Cub players were shaking his hand as he's going around the bases. And in this case, Larry Boa, uh, who is one of the, was one of the most hard-nosed, gritty players ever, at least that I ever saw, uh, shook Lou's hand. And so uh, I, th- th- I love that call. I'm so glad to hear it because uh, going back and, and going back in that little time capsule, and when he says at the end, you know, I told you I was going to cry, Mike. I told you I said I, he was. He was a very emotional guy about certain things, about certain things he wasn't. I mean, he, was, he was emotional about sport and about the Cardinals and about those beautiful moments. And so I just, that's awesome. All right. So Joe Buck, who I mentioned is both the leadoff hitter and the closer of this podcast. I wanted to share some stuff. I think I've learned some commonalities among the people that we've, that I've got a chance to talk to, right? Like tremendously quick brains with curiosity and passion for miles, but always seemingly available. And this certainly stands for you and, and just about everybody else that I've talked to is this sense of calm. Like that calm is just kind of there and it made conversations easy and it makes the calls like palatable and easy to hear for the most part all the time. And it's like most of you people are are the proverbial placid pond that's teeming with furious life and activity beneath the surface. You know, that's something that I've found as a commonality. Does that make sense to you in terms of the people? Totally. Yeah, I, I think because it's all acting. I mean, if, if you put a, a heart rate monitor on me when I'm making these calls or when I'm sitting in that booth, 
it, it would be I, my my heart rate is elevated, and I'm I'm you know I'm 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 humming at a, at a higher rate than I typically would. Um, but you cannot let that be known. You can't let that be seen or felt or heard. Or you, you've got to be, I think, especially in baseball, the calm voice. Now, when you do radio, and and you've had that opportunity it's a different sensation. It's, it's very, you have to totally be that way because it's, it's just your mind, your eyes, where you want to take the listener. TV's different. You've got a producer, you've got an analyst, you've got graphics flying in and all the other stuff hitting counts and whatever radio you're on your own. So it's, it's radio training. I don't think you've talked to anybody that didn't have radio training that even if they were a TV guy, and I think that's how I would be known, that they don't rely on what they learned on the radio side mm-hmm. and just pick and choose, pick their moments when they get to TV. The um, In terms of the craft, you, I went on a journey with this one where, like, you had told me, make sure you focus on the pitch. The pitch is the star, right? And then, mm-hmm. jo- and then Joe Davis had talked to me about using the crack of the bat and the pop of the mitt as part of the cadence of what you're doing. And he said he got that from John Miller, I believe. Um, And then Boog told me to get a little bit ahead, especially on radio with like when, if you're going to say, and here's the windup and the pitch as the windup and the pitch is coming, you're already late that that you're, that you're you're already late. I've never thought of it that way, but that's true. You're, you're a little bit ahead. That's, that's, that's a good point. So, so putting all those things together has helped me think about it, like fit yourself into the game as a component of, of all the activity, you know, like don't miss anything and, but, and never, don't let your content and your ego get in the way, but be a little bit ahead as well as fitting into every little thing that happens. It's, it's funny with me thinking about this in real time. You know, I, I think about even the verb tenses that different people use, you know, like on, on the Gibson home run, my dad says, or maybe on the Aussie home run, he says, this is going to be a home run, which huh. is talking about it in future tense. Yes. And, and you know, more, more times it's present. Homer's into right. Um, you know, you're, you're more in the present. Some guys, I hear Al do it a lot, will use like future tense, even though we've already seen it. You know, it's <laughs> well, kind of a weird thing. Well, I, I think you're like, you're getting your mind ready to talk about it as a thing that just happened. And you kind of can't yeah. believe what's happening. Oh, well, holy hell, this is going to be a home run. Let's talk about yeah. that then. I know. It's funny. Yeah. I um, love that. It's just little things that you don't, you know, and, and that all goes into style. It, it goes into what you're somebody would say, you know, what's your style? I don't know what my style is. It is what it is. But I think what, how you watch the game where you are in the sequence of events and what verb tense you use is kind of a small, subtle thing. But, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not explaining it right, but I, I think sometimes I listen to Al and the, the verb is, is like future looking, even though it just happened, which is kind of a, a strange thing. Yeah. It is. And then, um, and then, and this is, this is applies to me for sure, but I think it applies probably to some other young broadcasters out there just to, to take your opinion out 
not just from the words, but from the tone. Um, I'm so used to adding tone as a talk show host, like whether it's appreciative tone or, you know, it's mildly critical tone or whatever, but it's like, no, no, no. Be more play by playerish is the way Benetti talked about it to me. Cause they talk about hitterish, like, like coaches tell batters to be more hitterish. Our natural desire is to add context, even if in my case it's appreciative, enjoyable context. It takes away sometimes from just simply letting the moment speak, letting the moment be for what it is. I wondered if you related to that at all. I, I agree with that to an extent, but I always said that if I turned on a Cardinal broadcast and I was listening to my dad and Mike in the 80s. I was driving home from college. I could tell if the Cardinals were winning or losing by their tone. I could tell if it was a good night or a bad night. Not with them going, and the Cardinals are losing 6-2 to two here in the eighth inning. I could just tell by their countenance in there, if that's the, probably the wrong application, but I could tell by even the topics they were discussing, the way that their voices sound, there's a little bit more up when the team's playing good and they're winning as opposed to, you know, Jesus, here we go again. The team, <laughs> it's, it's another night and, uh, you know, Cubs are winning six to five here in the whatever it is, or even if it's worse, 11 to two, yeah. you know, you're dragging through the seventh inning. Um, it, it's Absolutely. a different sound. But on the call itself, on the action itself, like, tell me what happens. Maybe it's it's my own self-criticism because I hear myself going, and would you look at that, that kind of tone? Like, can you believe yeah. that happened? Nobody knows what happened yet, you jamoke. Like, just tell them what happened yeah. first before you try. Yeah, to- yeah, no, I, I agree. But I, I think you can't worry. I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I, I think tone – is a huge part of it. Like I, I, I hear, I hear passion in all those calls, even if it's not for the specific team or the player, it is for the moment, you know, like if I'm doing it for the national David Ortiz probably doesn't even know my name, but if I'm doing a David Ortiz hit to win a world series game, I'm passionate about that moment and what that moment means. Not just, not really to me, but to baseball fans to Red Sox fans, you all, you almost kind of put their coat on for a minute, even though you don't go over the top and, and you, you rise to the level of the moment. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's okay. It's okay. Especially when you're doing local radio to take on the feeling of the fan. That That's what I have to fight against or had to every time I showed up in, October. So when you call a home run against the Cubs, it's a down moment for you. It's a down moment for the fans that are listening and cabs mm-hmm. and at their desk and wherever they are. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm there, whoever they're playing, the pirates, it's an up moment for me because I've, I've got to now be up for the pirate fan. So, you know, it, that that's, I, I think it's okay to, to, wear the cloak of the fan base you're calling for. All right. A, you've now been exposed as a pirate fan. I knew it. I knew yes. it. Die yeah. hard. Um, and, and B, all right. Thanks for making me feel better. That's what the whole podcast really has been. Joe is an operation. That's what I family. want. I don't want, I don't want a robot. I want somebody who, especially on local radio cares like I do. 
Trust me. I, I, I just, I don't want a robot. He is uh, the voice of baseball emeritus. Thank you for the time. Thanks for all the encouragement uh, along the way on this, uh, this, this weird little pod journey. Uh, It's been fun. And um, you did a pretty good job closing out. Nobody scored, you know, like, uh, we got yeah. the bags. Yeah, we got the bags juiced a couple of times, but we kept uh, we, we kept anything from coming in. Well, that's good, and uh, I enjoyed it. I love this stuff, and uh, you've made me now miss baseball even more. <laughs> You'll be fine. Enjoy the fall. I'll be fine. I'll <laughs> Thanks, be fine. Joe. Yes, I will. All right, see you, Matt. That's gonna do it for the PBP podcast i want to thank all the incredible guests who said yes and were so generous with their time along the way uh go back on the feed and and pick out folks you love and give it a listen because boy it was fun i want to thank ryan porth the producer has just been absolutely phenomenal to work with all season long our second year in a row of doing a baseball podcast two very different animals the beat the streak pod and this one but his, uh, his baseball passion and his professionalism is, is, is beyond reproach. And my collaborator and friend, James Vickery. Um, folks, be on the lookout for more about play-by-play, <clears throat> more about PBP from me <clears throat> and from James. I want to thank my guy, Kurt Morrison, the guitar player, multi-instrumentalist of Tributosaurus. The theme music comes from him every single time we do it uh the pbp voices of baseball i have brought you the people who brought you the game from 2400 sports from odyssey and from major league baseball want to leave you with one final call it's not a playoff call but when i asked john miller to tell me something that he loved from the canon of play-by-play and john miller is the voice of the giants a previous guest on this podcast in my opinion the best living play-by-play broadcaster of baseball um he wrote me this in a text matt i feel vin scully's call of aaron's 715th was amazing but the entire call not just the home run his description it was on dodgers radio that night was vivid But his follow-up after Aaron rounded the bases was what elevated the call to something that transcended a mere sports broadcast and turned it into a masterpiece. He extemporaneously placed the achievement into the much larger context. I believe the whole package uh, made it the greatest example of live play-by-play sports broadcasting ever. High praise from John Miller. Thanks to everyone involved and everyone for listening to the PBP We'll let Vin Scully calling Hank Aaron's 715th home run in 1974 close us out. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate 
not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. As Aaron circled the bases, the Dodgers on the infield shook his hand, and that was a memorable moment. Aaron is being mobbed by photographers. He is holding his right hand high in the air, and for the first time in a long time, that poker face of Aaron shows the tremendous strain and relief of what it must have been like to live with for the past several months. It is over. At 10 minutes after 9 in Atlanta, Georgia, Henry Aaron has eclipsed the mark set by Babe Ruth.